Welcome to Tech Junior. Hey everybody, welcome back. Uh, today we are talking to Lucas Casares or Casares. He is a I still can't say that right. He's a certified financial planner. Uh, so he is a finance person, um, not a developer, but we are talking about all things finance and how to manage money today on the show. So I know there's a lot of developers out there that are, you know, neck deep in technology, but really haven't paid attention to things like the 401k or the market or savings or budgeting or that sort of thing. So we hash all that out on the show today. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, if you want to support us, go to our website, check out the show notes, subscribe to the newsletter. Uh, tweet us at TechJR Podcast, do all this stuff, and we appreciate it. Um, that's all I've got. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to Tech Junior. My name is Lee Work Junior. I'm a full stack JavaScript developer, and I have with me, as always, Eddie. Hey, it's Eddie. I'm a front end developer. Awesome. And today we've got a special guest. We've got Lucas Quesares. Did I say that right? That's that? serious. It's the Americanized way of saying it, but uh, I'm used to it. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, uh, Lucas, uh, introduce yourself. Can't tell everybody what you do. Sure. My name is Lucas Caceres. I'm the founder of Level Up Financial Planning, and my focus is serving tech professionals who are kind of early on or uh, mid-career trying to figure out their financial life and realizing that there's lots of opportunities that uh, you might want to make the most of them. And so, yeah, I serve tech professionals with their financial planning. Cool. Fantastic. So um, we're going to get into all that good stuff uh, and naturally talk about, you know, the coronavirus and the economy taking <laughs> a turn for the worst. Yeah. Um, by the time this goes out, you'll have probably seen a whole bunch of stuff in the news and, and on Twitter about people getting laid off and that sort of thing. So we're going to, <clears throat> jump into that specific advice uh, in a minute here. But uh, before we get into that, um, I kind of wanted to talk about some general financial advice because I think there's a lot of developers out there, uh, particularly our audience that are kind of early on in their career or they're getting ready to get that first job. And so I kind of want to talk about like general financial advice and maybe some common missteps to avoid whenever you, you know, let's say, come into a tech job and you get like this big raise and all of a sudden you have all this money to play with. So what shouldn't you do right off the bat? Sure. Yeah. So um, even before we hit the record button, I know we were talking about living below your means and it, it could be as simple as just making sure you have a little bit of money saved over, but that's not always the case. You probably want to have um, usually about six months of emergency expenses. So I think that's a, a big kind of lofty goal early on when you have so many other things going on and you still might have student loans. Uh, if you went through boot camps, you might have uh, one of those income repayment uh, plans. And so uh, you want to prioritize building a savings account and by any means necessary. <laughs> so uh, if it's $100 a month, but your six months of savings is going to take you a long time, you might want to ratchet that up and try to get through a little bit faster. So that's one thing that I see is just people thinking that, because they're breaking even every month, that's good. Or because they're saving a hundred dollars every month, that that's good. But uh, you definitely want to to push yourself a little bit more, especially someone that's an engineer, someone in tech, where your income, your starting income, tends to be a lot higher than the starting income of uh, maybe some of your friends from high school and things like that. So you don't want to waste opportunities. Uh, there's something too called that, or I call it lifestyle creep. And so 
you might start out at a, a fairly modest salary, uh, even though it's higher paying than most of your peers, it may quickly ratchet up from there. And what happens is you start kind of a, a setting your money aside and already picking the things that you're going to be purchasing. So you mentioned getting a raise or a promotion. Yeah, people, when they get stuff, um, actually one of my clients was a boot camp grad and he purchased a, a pretty expensive car and he didn't have the best credit. So he like absorbed a really high interest rate and it just wasn't a good kind of first financial decision just because you had so much more income to be playing with. And so I think that's the biggest thing is you really want to be thoughtful and intentional when it comes to your money because although you can always make more, it's just tricky to recover from making big financial mistakes, especially something like a commitment of a vehicle, which is a depreciating asset. Technically, a $10,000 vehicle would have offered a pretty similar benefit to like a $40,000 one with a 10% interest rate. So there's just a lot of those mistakes I see pretty often is you, you get excited for good reason. And yeah, I bet you busted your butt and you definitely deserve to be rewarded but you some people sometimes get ahead of themselves i guess is the problem yeah definitely so um i can throw a little anecdote at this uh when i worked as a firefighter uh there was a thing where we would all have to be emts which is a basic you know medical uh, certification and then like there was another year of school on top of that to become a paramedic and it was like a big deal it came with a raise and, and whatnot and so we would see a lot of young guys they'd go through the schooling <laughs> They'd get out, they'd get this raise, and we'd be like, all right, let, let's see what they roll up in the next day. And, you know, without fail, <laughs> here comes like, you know, a, a Dodge Charger or something roaring up into the parking lot. And we're like, ah, oh, see, the new guy got a car straight off the bat. So there goes that raise, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I've always heard that a, a car is like the worst investment you can make. Yeah. One, it, it's everything is relative, right? And that's why I'm saying like saving $100, that might be really good for someone making like, $2,500 a month. But if you're making $7,000 a month, $100 is not the same uh, in comparison just from circumstance and situations being very different. Um, and same thing with vehicles. Like if you're making like so much more than, yeah, maybe that's a modest car compared to what you could have been afforded. Then it also comes down to the, the other goals that you may have in life. Like if you like traveling, well, paying $700, $800 a month for a vehicle payment uh, you probably could have got a more modest one and been able to do some international travel once a year or something like that. So it's, I, I never tell people like, oh, this is a better dare or you should do this or that. It's more of, hey, let's, before we even dive into any of the numbers and financial stuff, we're like, what do you want your life to look like? What are you not happy with right now? And so that kind of helps be the the guide of the conversation. And and it helps you with that accountability aspect of like, hey, remember we had this discussion about like what actually mattered to you? Like, was it having like a car that could go zero to 60 in three seconds or, or however? I'm not a car guy, so I don't know <laughs> those, uh, specific terms. But like, does that really matter? Like, yeah, it's cool. But when are, when are you going to have to do that and where it's going to make a difference? And so having the values and uh, I call it the possibilities of things in the future that we want to try to aim for and, and get excited about and be willing to go through like some of this financial discipline of like, ah, maybe I should wait, or maybe uh, there's an alternative. And you do that a few times and you get used to doing that. You build up some good muscles as far as like financial decision-making. Cool. Yeah. So, um, kind of like to be, I guess, a little more nuanced about it. Um, I know you mentioned bootcamp loans and like student loans. And in my case, I have both. So I've got like a bootcamp loan that's basically a car loan. 
Yeah, um, for sure. And then uh, I've got so a student loan. Oh. Yeah, okay, great. So <laughs> I'm pretty dang sure there's a lot of people in that same boat yeah. that they've went to college or something. And there was a lot of people in my class that they had degrees already, which is kind of bizarre. But um, people may have many thousands of dollars in student loans and some pretty dang big payments to make. So um, like, how do you prioritize one versus the other? Like, should you pay off this loan or that loan or should you shoot for that savings like uh, safety net first or like how do you juggle those things in, in general yeah so interest rate is a big driver for that so if it, it tends to change as like the economy is changing and as uh, interest rates are constantly changing as far as what's available now and things like that but typically anything above four percent Obviously, the further you get from 4% being on the high uh, side, I've seen some boot camp student loans at like 12% and stuff like that. That's extremely high. It's very expensive to have those things around and, and have them kind of last a full lifetime. So if you're able to speed up the process on that, and heck, we can throw credit cards in here too, because a lot of times I know um, you're you're not working, right, while you're going through the boot camp in a lot of situations. Uh, so you're probably incurring debt outside of even the, the boot camp and, and stuff like that. So really, I target the, the higher interest rate. We're going to knock those things out first. If a lot of the federal student loans, sometimes you'll get lucky. And if they're older, it's like 3%, 4%. I'm not in a rush to pay those off. With sometimes I'm, it's, it's so crazy because there's so many different slices of how student loans work when you kind of talk about boot camps and um, just kind of the more traditional through the government ones. The government ones, even if they have higher interest rates, sometimes it's tricky to move away from them because there's some flexibility. Like right now, um, let's say you needed some more flexibility in your life. You could ratchet those things down, do basically like an interest only type payment plan and, and pay that thing off over 20 years. And it lets you kind of change those things in the middle of the process. Most likely your boot camp. Uh, loans usually won't do that. And then also if you have a private loan, um, which basically is what bootcamp ones tend to be, uh, but you can also refinance your government loans from your kind of previous education into private loans. Those things are usually pretty set and dry. Like, oh, you, have, you choose that you're going to pay it off in seven years. There's not much wiggle room. They, they might let you skip like one payment or they might do some temporary kind of assistance but it's not going to give you the flexibility of the the government kind of based um, student loans there. So it, it's tricky to decide on those things, but the, the higher interest rates, it makes it really easy to just start knocking those things out. And then if one thing I found for a few of my bootcamp clients is when those interest rates are super high, it's a private loan anyways, typically. So you can refinance that to another private loan that's lower and you're not really losing out on some of those government benefits. And and I don't know if you guys caught it, but one of the small kind of incentives that the, uh, the government enacted over the weekend was kind of waiving student loan interest. So that's only applying to the government student loans. They're not going to waive Chase's student loans or any of those private student loans interest, your guys' boot camp interest. Uh, they're not waiving those things. They don't have the ability to do those and so that's that's why it's tricky with those student loans, even if they're higher interest rates, sometimes to give that up. You'd have to be pretty confident in your employment situation, maybe have uh, a pretty decent emergency savings or some resources where you're like, uh, I'm willing to give that up if I can get a lower interest rate on the private market, knowing that it's not going to be as flexible. 
Cool. Um, yeah, so I, I'm pulling up uh, some of my loans here just to give like <laughs> a uh, an idea to the audience. So I've got um, some federal student loans. Uh, I couldn't tell you the name of them, um, but they're through like a you know Nelnet and um, Nelnet. Yeah, yep, like I just, just spoke Stafford with them on loans, Friday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So on those loans, I've got it's it's like broken down into multiple smaller loans. So yeah. they go from 3.86% to 4.6%. Okay, um, yeah, not, not too bad. Um, some people, sometimes even when they're government ones, will be like 7 and 8%, depending on when they got them, and depending on if it's for like grad school and stuff like that. Right. And then I've got, um, through Sally May, uh, a loan for the boot camp that I went through, and that's 11.25%. Uh, yeah, different. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very different, right? <laughs> so... so uh, for, for that higher one, that Sally Mae one, especially if you kind of have um, some like good credit and stuff like that, you might want to look and do some research into what. So the, the one that we used recently, and as long as they haven't changed their program, uh, Citizens Bank has student loans and like four or five percent interest rate, something in that neighborhood. And the reason why it gets a little bit tricky with some of the refinance is the boot camp isn't sometimes considered like a qualified program. So there's certain lending companies that offer student loans that only will do it if it's specific to uh, like a qualified kind of traditional school. Uh, but there's still quite a handful. And I know the Citizens Bank would be one where uh, I imagine you could get a significantly lower interest rate if, um, yeah, if you have a pretty decent score. So how would that work? Like you would go to this other bank like Citizens Bank and say like, hey, I want to take out this loan through you instead of Sally Mae or whoever the provider may be. And then they kind of cut you a check and you pay the other one off and then you pay this new bank payments. Yeah. Yep. And they'll they'll cut the check and pay that student loan off for you directly. They, they, they're not really trusting <laughs> when it comes <laughs> okay, to yeah, you, receiving like a, a big check. And because some sometimes those student loans are uh, ridiculously huge. And um, so yeah, they basically you go through the process. They'll check your income. They'll check your credit score. Make sure you're not too risky. Uh, they'll verify income most likely, and then they'll be like, "All right, sign sign these documents." And then yeah, they kick off a check to Nelnet for you, and then um, yeah, basically that that takes care of it. That old payment's gone. You're on the new payment uh, program. Sometimes you'll get a discount if you set up automatic payments. Uh, if if there's one nugget anyone should ever take away from their finances is try to automate as much as you can. Um, even if you're not incentivized to do so, it just makes your life that much easier. It removes a lot of the stress of having to be like, oh man, did I totally forget to, to pay that person? And all of a sudden you're accruing fees and, and maybe it's impacting your credit score and stuff like that. Yeah, what are your yeah, options so if you have bad credit? If you have bad credit, it's... It's tricky, especially with the boot camp loans, particularly, just because it there's not as many uh, London companies. You'd have to just kind of see what what it looks like there. It might be just kind of a waiting game until you can improve your credit uh, some other way. So definitely, if if you had bad credit, and, and this happens too, especially why a lot of people sometimes uh, make that transition to boot camp to, uh, to become developers work in tech is like hey this, this income that i was making previously is not not supportive to 
how I could like live and support family or support myself or anything like that. So yeah, sometimes you're trying to crawl yourself out of debt. You put yourself through this crazy program and you're like, am I going to survive this? <laughs> and then you do and you're like, all right, my credit still sucks. So like, how, how am I going to work? Um, but if you got that income, start making payments. Um, if don't, don't close out old credit cards, uh, even if you had bad payment history with them, because one of the best things, um, well, first the bad things will still stick around on there for about seven years, but one of the the scores that they look at is the length of credit. So if you have like a really old credit card, that could be one of the things that's really supporting your uh, credit score. So the longer you keep those things around, start making payments. Um, if you pay off things that are not like credit cards, like auto loans, that will look good too. Kind of knocking those things out. But yeah, it's just a matter of time. It's uh, sometimes you can turn around your credit credit pretty quickly if you do pay down your credit card balances. You're not having like a huge percentage of what you could. Borrow. So, for example, like if you had a ten thousand dollar credit card, if you are pretty close to that ten thousand dollar limit every single month, that hurts your credit score. If you had like a hundred dollars on it and just kind of use it sporadically, that's going to actually increase your uh, credit score a lot by just not having that much debt outstanding uh, relative to what's available to you. So, uh, it's truly a waiting game unless you have someone that likes you a lot that's willing to be like a joint co-signer, uh, which could lead to a tricky situation. So you definitely want to make sure that uh, it makes sense. It's not going to cause any word issues, uh, whether it's family or friends or, or something like that. But having a co-signer is one of the quick and easy ways to not have to, to play that waiting game. Awesome. Um, so I guess in general, if you can't get a better deal refinancing, you should look at whatever you have that's the highest interest rate and kind of pay down from there. Yeah, and still be making the minimum payments on everything else because yeah, other people will not be happy <laughs> if you stop paying them. They don't they don't care you're <laughs> gonna do what's best um, on the the interest rate side. So make your minimum payments everywhere. Uh, that is a good question and kind of good thing that we brought up because a lot of times I see when when you have these things like multiple student loans spread out, credit cards, auto loans, all these like tentacles all over the place. You're like you keep like swatting at different ones and you're like cut off like the tip of one and it grows back and you, you're like switching it up. Like you really want <laughs> to focus. an excellent analogy. <laughs> yeah. You want to focus. Yeah. yeah. You want to focus on one and then, yeah, like maybe like, um, with that final like death stab on one of them is, um, you like carterize it or whatever. It can't grow back. And then you're like, all right, I'm not gonna, not gonna open up that credit card. I'm not going to open up a new credit card. And then you just kind of move through those different tentacles. Um, but yeah, you still have to take, a little bit off of them but yeah you don't let it take all of your energy and focus and because what happens is you like you spread yourself too thin you don't have an actual plan that's another pr problem is you're like oh i'm just gonna throw money here 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 but then you get to the end of the month you're like oh crap i like i don't have enough to live off of so now you're going into credit card debt again somewhere else and that's kind of how they those things grow back on you cool so uh, it sounds like in general get like that safety net going and then once you have that, start knocking out the highest interest rate item kind of first and then work your way down. So like credit card debt usually is astronomical interest rates, as yeah. I understand it. And then maybe like private loans and then, you know, your federal student loans probably have, you know, a lower interest rate. So maybe tackle that last and then yeah. pray and hope that some president somewhere cancels all your student loan debt <laughs> at some point. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? This, this could be the event that makes something like that happen, but it, it's... Right now, resources that the government 
and the different bodies have at kind of fighting this thing. They're they're kind of shooting all their bullets already. And so, yeah, we can talk to that once we get to the coronavirus and the, the unique situation that's occurring. But, yeah, there's there's only so many ways that the government can, like, give out free money and, and let these things happen. And right now they just deployed a lot of <laughs> missiles out of the uh, the carrier. And so we'll, we'll see what they have left as far as things that they can pull. I'm uh, super excited for Nerd Minute because it sounds like uh, Lucas is on the same wavelength as far as like missiles, fighting hydras, um, <laughs> all that stuff is is right up my alley. So uh, a couple more questions before we get to, to coronavirus. Um, yep. First of all, um, p- kind of popped into my mind when we were talking about interest rates. Uh, I get a lot of junk in the mail about refinancing my um, my mortgage for the house. So yep. I've got like a 4.25% interest rate or something on that. Um, is this like a good time now that like, you know, the fed is reducing interest rates to go out and try and get, you know, 1% difference or something in that, or is, is that something you should probably leave alone at a time like this? So if you can interest rates dramatically lower, I imagine you'd get uh, a pretty decent one. Like I actually literally earlier today was signing paperwork, um, where we locked in our rate like a week or two ago at 3.625%. And so they, uh, then the Fed on Sunday announced that they were reducing rates as close to zero, which isn't the the mortgage rates, but that's what mortgage rates are based off of. So mortgage rates have probably been fallen since um, a week or two ago when I locked that in and then signed the paperwork today. The the mathematical kind of equation that you just need to do quickly, and it, it's not too complicated, and there's actually a lot of, if you do refinance comparison calculator search, hopefully you'll, you'll find within the first couple of results uh, an area you can kind of go and plug in like what would be the optimal kind of point to, to do this and if you're going to get a lower interest rate it's almost always going to be better for you if you're planning on staying in your home for a long period of time if you're like oh, i might move in three or five years that's really where you want to run this comparison uh, more specifically to see if it makes sense because if if you know that once once you have another kid or whatever you're going to be moving into a bigger home well, if that's two years potentially from now, some of the the costs of that refinance just uh, eat up all the the benefits. So, if you do have a, a long kind of a longer term time horizon, usually over like five, six years or more, then you can really save like a, a ridiculous amount. Our, our interest rate only went down like one and a half percent, and I think the lifetime savings, if we keep it all thirty years, is like. $50,000 of savings. So um, it's it's meaningful for sure. And yeah, so definitely worth looking into whether the, the only problem is if you lose your job, obviously you, you get declined there. Um, before I even started my company three years ago, I was trying so badly not, not to quit my current job. And we were going through a home equity line of credit so I could have like resources as I'm starting a business from ground zero. And uh, I ended up quitting I think like it's two weeks before the closing and obviously my, my income <laughs> was non-existent at that point. And I, I wasn't about to like try to forge or say that like, oh yeah, I'm still working. Give me, give me access <laughs> to a credit line. So that that's really the biggest thing, which um, that it's not something to be afraid of. You, if anything, you would be better to reduce your payments, um, put yourself in a better position financially and give yourself more flexibility to do this. And the the worst thing that could happen is, yeah, you decide that, you may be moving in the next few years and the initial cost uh, in the first three years, it just won't get absorbed in time. 
Interesting. Yeah, I never thought about it like that. Um, I always assume that there was some kind of uh, some catch baked into that because otherwise they wouldn't be sending all this mail to my house. You know what I mean? Uh, no, so. yeah, they they definitely get well. They're they're not sending that to their own people, like their own clients. So they're right, trying right. to pull people from other institutions. So it's not like they're refinancing their own at a low rate. They're refinancing somebody okay. at at a different bank, a different credit unit. So it's not hurting them. And then there are. I can't remember the exact fee, so I'd hate to throw a number out, but it, it's usually like a few thousand dollars to go through this process. And so, yeah, you, your interest rate needs to drop enough and it needs to match up with the time frame, the minimum time frame you're expecting to stay at your home. Awesome. Cool. Cool. So uh, in general, now I know we've talked about like a whole bunch of bad stuff, like owing a lot of money, having bills to pay, sure. not having enough money to pay your bills and, and whatnot. Um, let's say you are in a good spot. And uh, you get hired into the tech industry where you just did a couple months ago. Hopefully you still have your job at this point. Um, and you are making more money than you were previously. And you've got extra money. So uh, what are some good things to do with that? Um, do you throw it in the savings account? Do you put it in a bag and throw it under your mattress because you're worried about the world ending? Like, What, <laughs> what, what do you do with uh, any extra money that you might have? Sure. So I think one big thing that a lot of people, especially like earlier in their career, don't realize is that a 401k is a really great deal when your employer does like free matching. So I know not everyone has it or there's a, a delay. So sometimes you have like a year before you have access to the 401k. But if you get access immediately or in the near future, you definitely want to do whatever it takes on your end to get that free money basically. So uh, a pretty common one, a low, low expectation as far as a 401k employer match is 3%. So typically you put in 3% of your own paycheck and your employer will put in 3%. So that's 100% return even if you just kind of put it in cash um, and didn't do anything with it. So that's the most efficient, best kind of thing you could do uh, with that, especially if you're not used to saving in a 401k. You definitely want to educate yourself, get comfortable with, with doing that because it's free money that you're leaving on the table. Um, emergency funds, I think, is, is definitely critical. If you've accumulated debt, uh, that high interest debt, you definitely want to knock out. Um, so it, as far as area of priority, it's always hard. It depends on kind of those goals and visions of like, well, what do you, what does your life need to look like now, next couple of years, and then long term too. As long as you're doing really well, there's still efficiencies that could be had. But as long as you're like doing awesome things with the money, Typically, you'll be in a decent shape financially, but why a lot of engineer clients, even though some of them kind of consider themselves do-it-yourselfers before uh, working with me, is they're like, I know I'm saving a lot. I just don't feel like I'm doing the right things with it. And so uh, from an efficiency standpoint, yeah, it kind of takes looking at the whole picture and like kind of to your question, like, well, does it make sense to build up emergency savings or pay down credit card? Like, it's hard to say specifically, but... Um, yeah, generally, as long as you're making some big improvements across the board, uh, you'll you'll end up being in a decent spot. It might not be the best use of your money, but it, you'll still have to feel pretty good about what you're doing. So I'll say um, just something I've heard in general is <laughs> if you're going to put money in like a savings account, that's generally a bad spot to put it because like usually the savings uh, interest rate or something is really, really low yep. and may not even outpace like the rate of inflation. So is that something that you agree with or? 
I, I agree 100 percent. It's not going to keep up with inflation, but uh, that's that's not typically why people put money in the savings account. Like right now, this is the scenario that we're all going through. It's kind of like the worst case scenario anyone could have ever thought of. It's truly like the outbreak movie from like when we were kids and stuff. Oh, and, with Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I the monkey. The monkey. Yep. Yes, yeah. the monkey. Patient Zero, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's trending I, on Netflix right now. As I, well as I was just gonna say that. I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> it's messed up. And uh, have you guys ever? Uh, we're not in the nerdy minute or whatever, but uh, the pandemic board game that game is pretty legit but like i couldn't even imagine playing it right now with how jacked up everything is that would be rough i think yeah too close to home in my opinion yeah. for sure <laughs> so yeah if you do have some spare money and you're not like let's say you have a little bit of liquid cash in your savings fund you've yeah. got you know six months of savings socked away mm-hmm. and you, you're, you've still got money that you're saving up let's say you're for super sure. frugal you're not going yeah. on vacations you're not buying fun toys or whatever um what, what would you do with the money then? Would you throw it in like a mutual fund or something or let it ride the stock market or what do you think? Yeah, so it's definitely to match up with whatever your kind of comfort level is. There's there's three ways that I kind of consider high value kind of investment opportunities. Uh, the first one is the more obvious one is kind of betting on yourself. So investing in your own uh, education, um, getting advanced certificates, things like that. So that's one thing you could definitely do it's it's investing in yourself so obviously you're going to hope that you you as a person are going to be able to generate more income um and have more opportunities down the line maybe help recession proof yourself um as maybe a recession should or might be hitting us here shortly uh, the other kind of more common things when people think about investments would be uh, real estate or the stock market so uh, a lot of people i, I don't necessarily steer anyone one way or another because over time they tend to have similar returns over like long-term time horizons and historically that the difference is real estate it's not liquid it's not like oh it's an emergency came up some came up i can hit a sell button and get money uh, most likely we should probably someone living in the home so it's uh, you can't really like kick someone out and say hey give me the money tomorrow um so it's illiquid that helps in a way because it's not as volatile as we've seen the stock market uh, can be and we're seeing it as of right now as this recording is occurring. And so that those are the main kind of things before you dig down and obviously there's a lot more to learn and research there. So that's how real estate stacks up in, in terms of investments. Um, the stock market, a little bit more volatile than real estate for sure, about the same average expected return somewhere it depends on whose numbers you're looking at but anywhere between like a seven to ten percent long-term expected return in the stock market that's about what you'd get in rental um there's also some unique tax benefits of rental properties i guess i forgot to add that uh, where the the stock market in and of itself there's some things but it's not as favorable as real estate tends to be Uh, with the stock market it will be volatile like i said you can hit the sell button and that's what everyone's doing now. And that's why we're seeing some of the chaos. There's a lot of panic and fear kind of running rampant in the markets right now. So the reason for that is because you can quickly hit the sell button. It's like, it feels like you're playing a game. It doesn't feel real sometimes, like how you can just kind of be like, oh, I'm buying this, I'm buying that. And like, it doesn't feel as real as, have you guys like ever gambled? Do you guys like play like poker, Texas Hold'em, anything like that? Sure, yeah, yeah. Have you ever done any of the online gambling? 
Not like, really, like only fun. only video games and stuff. So. Yeah. No. So like, I love playing it in person, and like I'd get like the itch or whatever. If people weren't playing, like people took off and it, like weren't doing it for a while. So if you, what I found is when I would play like online Texas Hold'em, like it wasn't real to me. I could just hit a button. It's not the same as like trying to sit across from someone and read them and like bluff. So like it really changes the the emotion and feel of it. Same way how using debit cards and credit cards and purchasing stuff electronically is not the same as holding cash and stuff in your hand. Um, so it, it's just different when it comes to the stock market. You can hit the sell button really quickly and get the money into your account within a couple of days, basically. So that's a big difference there as well. Cool. Yeah, I can uh, I can relate. Like if you're not actually physically pushing the chips in, right? It's, yeah, it's a little exactly. bit easier to just click a button and go, well, F it. You know, I'll just bet. I'm all in. Let's see. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that that's definitely what I found like in like the online thing is like, dude, I have no clue like what these people look like. And and for me, it just yeah, it's not the same as feeling those things and pushing them in and, and getting that crazy like heart drop moment. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I won like a 100 bucks one time on a real game, but that, that's my only claim to glory as far as uh, Texas. <laughs> yeah. <hold on>. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's fun. And yeah, sometimes sometimes you can get lucky with that stuff. <laughs> Cool, cool. As far as the 401k goes, would you recommend a Roth 401k or like whatever the traditional one is? Uh, or sure. you can can you tell us what the difference is just for people that don't know? Yeah, awesome question, Eddie. Um, so the the difference, so traditional is the one that you're most likely going to see. It's usually the default option. When you put funds into the traditional 401k, it actually reduces your income for federal taxes. So that's one of the unique tax benefits when you're using a retirement account, that there's going to be some unique tax features there. How So reducing your income reduces your federal taxes, reduces your state taxes. That's the traditional side. The Roth side is saying, you know what? I don't want to reduce my income. I don't want to reduce my taxes. I'm going to put money in here. And as it grows, I can actually withdraw it when I retire and have no taxes. Because I, So with the traditional side, you don't pay the taxes up front when you retire and withdraw from the traditional side you pay taxes with the roth account you pay the taxes up front you don't get the tax benefit starting today but when you go to pull it out hopefully it's growing a whole bunch and you pull it out and there's no taxes on it so that's really the the difference between those two make career like career really hard to determine uh, what to do um there's some advanced strategy, which I can't dive into the, the logistics of it. But if you're really good at saving kind of to to Lee's question, like, oh, yeah, like you're doing all the right things. You already have emergency savings and all this stuff. Maybe you're maxing out your 401k. There's some crazy things called backdoor Roth uh, contributions. That's like super, super, super advanced <laughs> strategies. Uh, but we can't get into that. Um, but early on in your career, it tends to lean towards the Roth side pretty, pretty heavily. So. Um, let's say you're just starting out in your career. Maybe you're not fully um, able to max out your your 401k just yet. But as you're in a lower income bracket, is basically why it makes sense earlier in your career. Uh, maybe you have seventy thousand, eighty thousand dollars in income, but five years from now you're going to be having about hundred thousand dollars in income, hundred twenty thousand. Like that kicks you into another bracket. You start paying more taxes. It's a little bit more painful to do Roth contributions at that point in time. So early in your career, I'd say definitely it's a no-brainer to, to start out with a Roth. 
And what I like to see for most of my clients is to have a little bit of both, have a little bit of traditional, have a little bit of Roth, because what happens when you have that tax diversification is you can do some crazy strategies. Uh, healthcare is really expensive if you retire before reaching age 65 and being Medicare eligible. And so if you retire at age 60, you're going to have a whole bunch of medical insurance premiums, like $1,500 a month. But there's things you can do by reducing your income using Roth distributions instead of um, uh, traditional retirement account distributions that would be taxable. And you make it look like your income is lower than what it is because the Roth doesn't get treated as income. And so you get some health insurance subsidies and things like that. There's a whole bunch of other things that test your income, your your taxable income, and you could kind of navigate and kind of meander your way around things and be more efficient um, that way too. So that's why it's nice to have a little bit of that diversification. What I'm taking away from this is if you're crushing it financially, give Lucas a call because he's got a lot of ideas for what you should do with that money. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. And uh, even the, to be honest, and we're not to this part of the thing, but the reason why I started Love Up Financial Planning is because most financial planners don't want to talk to you, to any of us. We're too young. We don't have $500,000 in investments and they don't know if we're going to be successful or not. So they don't want to gamble with us. Um, basically, I, I want to work with people from that the get-go if they think there's value in that. And it's because I I really want to help people become successful, not only work with successful people, like the people who survived um, the, the first right, yeah. 20, 30 years of their uh, thing. So my company is a little bit different from that aspect. But yeah, most financial advisors, they have limits of like $500,000. Um, I'm sure the advisor I was working for was kind of inching his way up to a million dollars minimum before I ended up quitting. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I'm, you, you mentioned five hundred thousand dollars. I'm hoping to invest five hundred dollars at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping to add yeah. that to spend on toilet paper to stock my bunker with. So, uh... <laughs> yeah, one. It's all about kind of gradually making those improvements. Um, so yeah, you you everyone has to start somewhere, right? <laughs> and it's yeah. Are you are you able to just ask a little bit more of yourself? Um, it, if you guys play video games or anything like that, like you want to get better, you get frustrated if you're not improving, if your skills are not improving, if you're, um, so yeah, it's, it's, that's the same way you can kind of approach your finances. Like, Hey, I'm a newbie. I'm going to probably not be that great <laughs> up front, but I, all I have to do is start doing it and start getting a little bit more exposure. Hopefully this uh, episode will help a couple of people be like, Holy smokes. I, like I, I felt really good about this stuff he talked about. I knew what he's talking about. I could follow, but now, now I found a whole area that I need to research or try to figure out. Yeah, hundred um, percent. We were talking before the show, and kind of Eddie and I were saying how much we don't know about finances. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, we're we're really happy to be able to talk about this stuff. Um, and hopefully, yeah, you're you're getting some ideas out there about you know how you can make some improvements in your life and start leveling up to make a really awful pitch for. <laughs> <laughs> for Lucas's business, um, start leveling up your your finances. Um, yep. But yeah, if if you don't have anything else, Eddie, uh, I really want to talk about coronavirus because it's yeah, it's out yeah. there, it's coming. It's, I can't uh, it's stop touching in... my face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just touched my nose right before you said that. <laughs> yeah, I'm like always. Yeah. And I have it's, no toilet it's... paper, so. Oh jeez. <laughs> no, I have a couple rolls. I, I, I may make it till next week. 
You have a show. So yeah, uh, yeah. You got to use the. Uh, we won't get into that, but anyway, should have invested in a bidet. Exactly. Oh, there you go. So, uh, Lucas, yeah, what what is your perspective on this uh, coronavirus thing? Not medically, but uh, financially. Yeah, financially, I think. So the biggest thing I'm worried about by far is layoffs and the, the those things kind of have like a, a rolling effect where, yep, it, it may just be the kind of restaurants and the tourist attractions like Disney and, and Vegas and stuff shutting down um, people that uh, work at the, the sporting events and stuff like that. Like you think, uh, yeah, they're, they're definitely losing their jobs, they're losing income. Uh, but it's not just them. I've already seen it. We're a few days into really the hysteria is only starting. I consider it, you know, as far as what I've seen and, and obviously what we know is happening in China and Italy and stuff like that. So it, things are going to get worse on the, the medical side. The The impact financially is going to be more than just that immediate like, oh, yeah, that stinks about those restaurants and stuff. And, and it definitely does. But it's actually going to roll up because those people are not going to be able to spend money on the products and things that a lot of you guys, the people listening, uh, gentlemen and ladies uh, listening here, that they're just not going to have the ability to purchase different technology, different things that a lot of us are working on. And so that's that's a problem. We've already started seeing layoff for a lot of engineers that are totally non-related to this. But sure enough, uh, unless they're just kind of tying it to the coronavirus and they were going to get laid off anyways, um, a lot of them are attributing it to the coronavirus. So I don't know if that's the employer telling them that or if they're just kind of connecting dots there. But I think that's the biggest thing. So th that's why I kind of mentioned emergency savings as many times as I did. That's what I'm telling my clients now. Like, hey, like we, we got a plan for the investment stuff and then we're doing good there. If there's extra income, if, you're, if you guys are ready to kind of step it up, uh, maybe you're saving some money by not going to weddings and stuff over the next few weeks, next few months, like, Let's really build this up because the not having cash flow is, is bad. That's when you lose your job, you lose the cash flow. But if you have a cash kind of a huge abundant amount of cash sitting on the sidelines that you can actually use as your temporary paycheck until you kind of connect to those things, uh, that's going to give you some breathing room. Um, yeah, it's really going to pad you um, to try to ride these things out as best as possible. So that that's a huge aspect that I'm worried about. There's there's obviously stuff that happened in the markets. Uh, I don't know if you're ready to jump to that part of it or if you had any questions on what I just kind of described. But that's really my biggest fear is is the people, not not the markets. The markets will. I have no doubt the markets are going to be super high in a handful of years, if if not sooner. And so like the markets are not people. It's it's the people really I'm concerned about and worried about. And um, I know just just from statistics, I know a lot of people live paycheck to paycheck, even a lot of engineers, unfortunately. And so it's uh, something that if you are still uh, employed and you're listening to this stuff, I'm not telling you to get worried or, or do anything crazy, like sell your house, live off the land or, or do anything sketchy or, or crazy. Just just be a little bit more aware of what your savings account looks like and when you can try to build that up and, and try not to, to make any crazy financial decisions at this point. Uh, you mentioned a refinance. Is this a good time? Refinance typically isn't increasing your debt. It's, it's actually putting yourself in a better position flexibility-wise financially. But 
if someone was looking to buy a house right now and you didn't have an emergency savings of six months, that would be something. I'd be like, that's different than a refinance. This is taking on a new burden that maybe didn't exist. Um, if you couldn't afford rent, that's one thing you might hopefully be able to crash with some people. If you can't afford a mortgage, you might not be able to sell your house. And so it just kind of snowballs and makes it a pretty dire situation. If, if you have this huge mortgage and you only had a month worth of savings and all of a sudden you lose your, your paycheck, well, if you're really good financially for that month, maybe you can stretch out to two, but we don't know how quickly people are going to get back on their feet after this stuff. Yeah, definitely. So um, don't go out and buy a house. Don't go yeah. out and buy a Dodge Challenger. Um, <laughs> or I don't know, what's a good... Eddie, are you into cars? A tiny bit, maybe? Throw, throw out a dream car real quick. A dream car? Oof. I don't the know. Falcon. Don't go out and buy the car equivalent of the no, Millennium Falcon's like a junk heap. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's uh, actually this, right. Yeah. This joke well, fell apart quick. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, uh, in in general terms, um, six months of salary, right? Or at least six months of money that would cover your expenses. So like all your bills, whatever it costs for you to you know keep food in the house, um, keep the power on, the lights on, pay whatever uh debts that you have for six months is a, is a good metric to shoot for if you're able to hopefully you have that uh, and don't go out and spend it right now obviously because things are kind of in uh, not free fall but very topsy-turvy right correct yeah because before everything happened the, let's say that the market was the same place it was like three weeks ago which is really nice place to be three weeks ago um <laughs> A lot of people would be like, well, I don't need to have six months of emergency savings. I have my employer stock. I have my employer RSUs coming. Well, what happens when everything is like 30% off now of what it was? Like you you don't have those resources at the same level you did. And now might not be the best time to sell those things. Um, generally speaking, I can't give specific stock advice or uh, stock picking advice, but the, the golden rule of investing regardless of what you're investing in if you're investing in beanie babies or whatever like you want to buy low and sell high if you put yourself in a situation where it, you're in a, a crunch and your only option is to sell things that have depreciated and lost a ton of value you, that's not a, a good situation that you set yourself uh, into and so that's that's why i kind of push the emergency savings having other assets that are tied up they're they're not they may not be what you expect them to be. And obviously we're seeing that now three weeks into the future um, from if someone was saying that three weeks ago in the past. So that's doing a little time travel <laughs> in your mind right now to uh, hopefully you guys were able to follow that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I do have to ask though, have you had, uh, maybe you can't say, but have you had clients that have had Beanie Baby investments or <laughs> do they have no, like, no, no, baseball no. cards or um, something or <laughs> no. Nope. Um, so I was, books, fifth, yeah. <laughs> I was in fifth grade when the, the beanie baby kind of mania hits. Um, and I definitely like remember like things like pe people want to buy stuff and all of a sudden they're like sold out kind of like toilet paper today. And, and, stuff. <laughs> and so um, one of the, the big things that I'm sure it's popular in uh, the tech community is like Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, stuff like that. So I've done a lot of research kind of trying to see what what that was comparison to and there is the uh, i forget the flower tulip i think there were tulips so back in like 
ancient not ancient times but like back when like money wasn't really that big of a deal like tulips were like selling for like crazy amounts oh, of money. Like, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, it was like a tulip bulb uh bubble basically. So that's one thing yeah. and then the other thing that comes to mind that I am actually happening in our era is the the beanie baby phenomenon or something that's $5 like was being sold for like 5,000 or or something crazy. So it, it's these kind of small pockets and, and stuff like that. So yeah, no no clients that are invested in Beanie Babies at this point that I'm aware of that that they've shared with me. <laughs> okay, because I could be the first one. I have that Princess Diana bear in a glass oh. case over in my office. So oh. uh, we we can talk after this. Right. And, and well, I'm... make sure no one knows your address, man. They're gonna be yeah. popping in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I saw. Um, not to derail or anything, but uh, after because I was I'm, I'm old enough to to make this joke, but um, I remember seeing the Princess Diana bear and like the Peace Bear and all this junk thousands mm-hmm. of dollars or something madness like you were saying and then like five ten years later you'd see him every now and again it'd be like 20 bucks 50 bucks for the same the same yep. doll so uh, it, was, it was pretty funny we could talk about pogs too if we want to get all old up in here oh there you go yeah the slammer. <laughs> slammers there we go <laughs> thought of a yes. car what's that i thought of a car <laughs> oh yeah shoot what, what do you got I just uh, i was gonna say a tesla tesla there we go Cybertruck. Which model? Yeah, the the crazy uh, Batmobile-looking one? Oh, no. I wasn't even thinking that. Is that even out yet? The no, but we're truck? dreaming, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. I wouldn't drive that thing, but yeah. <laughs> well, I think this is what it was made for, right? Some crazy... Oh, that's crazy. true. There you Unless go. you have a baseball <laughs> or whatever it was that broke the window. <laughs> like a bowling ball or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> so, um... Yeah, as far as uh, as far as like what's going on with the market and and all that sort of thing, um, just to get back on track a little bit, <laughs> uh, what what's going on with the the stock market and and everything that's happening in the news? Because I know I don't really follow that stuff. I have no idea about it. Yeah. Um, I'm just happy to keep getting paid every two weeks. So uh, what For what sure, are you yep. seeing that's going on? And do you see it getting better or worse? Or you you have any kind of any thoughts on that? I don't want to necessarily better or worse in the short term because um, I feel like reliably no one, no one really kind of like I, I could say something super confidently, but really it's just a guess. And uh, any metrics I could point to is just a very small section of what the kind of world operates in. And that's why there's been practically no one that could identify like this is the date this turned around this way and went that way or this. Uh, a lot of people like to make bull things because it's, it's fun. And if you're right, people, you can kind of talk about like, oh, kind of like gambling type scenarios. Here's like, oh, you only talk about your wins. You never talk about your losses. Um, so I'm not going to point that out. I, I say with confidence and I actually, because it has been crazy, I've recorded a couple of videos on this for clients where I've no doubt that the U.S. economy and just the world economy in general will kind of rise above this given time. I don't know how quickly that's going to happen. In the short run, there's going to be a lot of layoffs and, and things like that. Is all that already baked in, calculated into what we've seen with the, the craziness in the markets? And um, I I don't know. I'd like to think so. We we already know kind of what China's going through. We know a few weeks in advance what Italy's going through as well. So I, I find it hard to believe that the people with the most money, with the most resources aren't aware of kind of what that fallout and kind of the the changes and uh, the impact to the economy is going to be at this point. But at the same time, 
well, how come we didn't do stuff on the the medical side uh, earlier if if I'm trying to draw that same conclusion on the, the business side? So I don't know in the short term, uh, the way I think about stuff, and it's probably because I'm a forever optimist, is like, hey, like humans are naturally like overcome barriers and challenges and things like that. And this is a horrible situation. I like the again, like the people, this that's what matters most. But if we are going to talk about financial side, because that's where I have more knowledge and kind of expertise is I've seen stock markets recover from crazy scenarios of things that we could have never thought of like 9-11 and, and all of these things. And it's what it does is it kind of galvanizes people. And I think uh, you're starting to see some of it. Some, sometimes it can definitely uh, be stressful and then cause people to do not, not great things. But usually the, the human spirit, I kind of think of it as something that seeks out challenges, overcomes challenges, becomes better as a result. And that's kind of how the economy works when the, the economy has like a life cycle too. So we've been on a huge kind of buildup, um, long, longest growth cycle ever. And now we're starting to see potentially a recession, which we're not too far off from basically confirming like, yep, this this is going to be a recession for sure. Uh, but it's highly likely. So we're, we're on the downward uh, trend. We don't know where the trough is, which is going to be like the bottom where things can kind of get reset from there. Um, it could could happen this week. It could have uh, be something a few weeks out or it could just kind of bounce around really high, really low. We've seen some crazy stuff in the market, stuff I've never seen in my life. And I know a lot of people haven't. Um, a lot of that's being driven by panic and fear because uh, there's a lot of people with 401ks. 401ks make up a lot of money in the, the financial systems these days. And you can go on there and say, I'm freaking out. I, I want out. Um, so yeah. <laughs> that's that's why it's moving as much as it is. It's not just only financial experts and it's not only people in the know making these moves. It's it's people that are being really afraid and, and I don't blame them. Um, but I think letting fear kind of dictate your financial situation is not not a good plan at all. So um, luckily, my clients have been really awesome. Well, I'd say half of my clients are probably about our age or so or earlier where they're getting started. This is really, if you stay employed, it's really a good opportunity. Uh, I hate to say it because it's uh, like, it's not good that these things are occurring in the world, but when the stock market itself, just speaking generally, whether it, this happened not in a coronavirus type environment, if the stock market falls, us, if we're employed and we're making 401k contributions, we're buying things on sale. So it's really a really good benefit just only financially speaking, not looking at the, all the other horrible things that are going on and not saying like, oh, I'm glad this happened. Because that anyone that would do that and some of the people you can kind of see uh, like hoarding sanitizer, selling it for like ridiculous stories, like not, not probably the best people or at least not a good judgment call with those decisions. Um, so no one would ever say that. But financially speaking, like you, if you're a young person and you have income consistently coming in, this is actually going to help you because you're buying things 20, 30% off than what they were just a few weeks ago. Um, someone closer to retirement, that those are the people financially uh, who I could see panicking more and having more realistic reasons for it. Because if they were too aggressive, they were like all, all in 100% like stock. Uh, yeah, they're feeling it right now. And if they are in retirement or about to retire, their retirement might look a little bit different. They might have to change some decisions, but everyone else who's young enough and who has built up some savings and uh, some wiggle room to kind of navigate these things, you'll you'll 
be fine if you give yourself enough time. That's kind of how I felt when I started my business. Like, oh, I have this mound of money I've saved up and I'm going to be burning through it. Hopefully I add enough clients at the capacity I need to to support my family in time. And so uh, it's the same way any type of crisis someone's trying to live through financially is like, hey, how are you going to make your resources get to the point where uh, you're back to good, basically? So basically, uh, to put a point on it, if you're already in the market, like stay in the market, it's it's not really that time to sell, sell, sell or retire. Basically, maybe you want to hang on for <laughs> uh, another year or six months or whatever and wait until things kind of bounce yeah, back. If- if you have a long-term time horizon, there's really no reason to get up now. Um, there's been countless studies. This is why some financial advisors who don't even do like financial planning, who don't help people like plan for their financial lives, and they only do investments. This is why financial advisors have jobs, is because they help people avoid making big mistakes. There's countless studies that show that just avoiding mistakes, trying to think that you're smarter than what the economy is going to do and what the market's going to do. Um, there's the individual investor underperforms by about three to 4% of what the general market does. So it's a sizable difference. So uh, let's say you, you just are kind of guessing at what you're doing. You're trying to time stuff. You'll probably get a 4% return while someone that's disciplined and has a strategy, uh, maybe has an advisor and sticks to their game plan. They'll tend over time to get a higher return, like seven and a half percent or something like that. So, those things don't seem that big of a difference in a one year, but those things compound. So an extra 3% every year uh, makes a big difference. Uh, then there's also, so if that doesn't prove to people that time in the market isn't possible, then there's uh, additional studies that show how closely the big drops and big gains happen. And so getting out of the market, that's just part of the equation. You have to know when to get back in. And so if you if you can't time getting back in right, then there's no point in getting out uh, because if you miss it, you're going to end up worse off uh, than getting right just half half of the decision basically. Right, right. Yeah, I remember. If, um, no, go ahead. I was just uh, throwing a resource. So if you think I'm making this up or whatever, do a Vanguard search for those kind of descriptions, and and you'll see uh, the the studies that they've done on those things. Yeah, I was just going to throw out there that uh, my dad had a, a pension fund and mm-hmm. it was uh, like a mutual fund or something, you know, by his employer. And he would watch that thing all the time and he'd be like, oh, man, you know, I lost so much money in the stock market. <laughs> it's like, but it's OK. It, it, it'll go up again or something. And he would say that like all the time <laughs> and just like really hover over that money. And, um, you know, over the years, the stock market goes up, it goes down. We've got sl- swine flu, H1N1. Uh, bird flu, got Zika. There, there's like a bajillion of them out there. And, uh, you know, 9-11 happened. The the economy crashed in 2007 or 8. Um, yeah. So there's been a whole bunch of things that have happened. And, um, you know, he, he left that money in the stock market. And when he retired, he was okay. You know, over the long term, I think there's a, I don't know, ballparking at like 10% growth or something like that. So Yeah, yeah. Historically, it's, it's been about 10%. Um, yeah, depending on what kind of frameworks and timeframes you're setting on it. But yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident in a lot of people's portfolios that over time, anywhere between a 7 to 10%, if they're taking a, a pretty decent amount of risk, but doing it in a diversified way, he probably had, you mentioned mutual funds earlier. So mutual funds are a diversified way of investing 
uh, as well as uh, exchange traded funds, also called ETFs. So those are ways to diversify so you're not investing in single companies. There's a lot of companies, single companies that have been doing way worse than the general stock market the last few days. Yes. Yeah, like, uh, I don't know, Olive Garden or Darden or whatever. They're probably not doing well right yeah. now since all of their businesses and sit down restaurants. So for sure. Yep. Yeah. And there's, there's a bunch, like one of my clients works for a uh, community bank and you're like, well, how's that tied to anything that was actually tied to some an additional bomb that dropped, not, not an actual bomb. Um, but, uh, there was a oil war that broke off between Russia and Saudi Arabia. And, and so that creates some kind of behind the scenes financial, credit crisis because a lot of the oil companies are heavily leveraged to like banks and credit unions and things like that. And so, yeah, that's, that's a company that's fallen like a rock, unfortunately, because of, yeah, just a unique, unique event outside of their control. Yeah. I've seen uh, the, the price of gas has been dropping a little bit. So that that's been kind of a silver lining, like, Hey, cheap gas, <laughs> you can't really go anywhere, but yeah. <laughs> you can at least you can at least fill your ride up for a little bit cheaper. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's crazy. I didn't even think about that part where basically <laughs> we can't go anywhere besides maybe get food and hopefully you don't need to go out too many times to do that. Yeah, I don't know if like crude oil prices are dropping or or whatever, but uh, maybe maybe I would guess. You know, we're coming into like you know the spring summer months when people are on vacation and gas prices go up, but actually they're going down, which is kind of weird. But yeah. Yeah, Eddie, do you uh, do you have any other financial questions you wanted to toss out there? Um, I mean, uh, any advice for recovering from a uh, from something like this? If you, I guess, if you were laid off, and then, uh, what can you do to? I guess for, I guess we covered some of that. I don't know. Um, just in recovery efforts, uh, like if yeah. after this happens. Yeah, I can say from a. You have to almost approach it like you are getting a late start in saving for retirement. So um, I know a lot of boot camp grads kind of fall in that window too because, yeah, you made a career change because you maybe didn't have enough to save and now you're starting to have that uh, money to save. So basically, there's a, there's like a time horizon that you have. So the earlier you start, the better. The longer you wait, it's not that it's the end of the world. It's not that you can't make a comeback and, and actually – overcome that situation it just means that you're gonna have to work harder than someone that started in their 20s uh especially certain early in their 20s that's they they're playing at a different rate than you are uh, they might have a little bit more flexibility later on in life where if you're getting started or if there's a huge setback that you experience and you have to to sometimes you have an emergency savings you bleed through that or you don't have emergency savings and but you have 401k you've saved up hundreds of thousands or 50,000, whatever it is in a 401k, that's still a resource to consider using, but it's just not the, I don't want that to be the first line of defense. So uh, that's why the emergency savings is important. Obviously, if emergency savings doesn't exist, there's other resources. You have those retirement accounts, hopefully that you could tap into whether or not it's a good time or a good decision to do. Well, it's that or feed your family. And so, yeah, a lot of people may be starting over or starting from behind uh, a little bit further as a result of some of these things. And it's just a matter of, yeah, of kind of kind of fighting and, and being more strategic, more intentional about where you are spending money. Because honestly, after you earn over $70,000 of income, there's 
most of those additional things that you can do are more lifestyle changes, uh, lifestyle benefits, not really like true emotional value. It's not going to provide more safety uh, typically. Um, so I think, yeah, you just have to work a lot harder to recover than maybe someone that's not in that same situation, but it's totally doable. And I think the people that write it off as like, nope, I'm always bad with money or I'm never going to get back. Like that's a defeat in mindset. So um, definitely try to find a way to motivate yourself, find out your reason why that you want to, to be better and, and try to navigate your financial situation a little bit better. And I think that's, that's how ad approaches, like you still got a puncher's chance and it's just a matter, you have to work harder than some of the other people around you. Maybe. It's kind of uh, interesting. Okay. I was going to say, it's interesting that you threw out a number of like 70,000 is that line that you cross, I guess, from like a lifestyle improvement to life or maybe a different type of lifestyle. Maybe you can explain that a little bit more. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you guys can think about it. Like even going back to like your early, early twenties, your, your lifestyle is probably different than what it is now. Um, and a lot of times that means that the cost, your cost of living now is different. Sometimes it's because some of the things that exist, like cell phones and unlimited data and some of the crazy, like Netflix didn't exist. Uh, so like you'd go to like Best Buy or, or not Best Buy, Blockbuster and, and stuff. So like things, now we're all old. Yeah. Yeah. Things are changing. <laughs> um, but yeah, your lifestyle changes over time, too. You start adding things. Uh, it gets trickier if you add another person into the equation, whether that's a spouse or um, someone you care about, uh, someone you're responsible for, like a child or anything like that. Maybe you have to take care of parents or assist with parents. Like these these things you start like, oh, yep, you not only are doing stuff for yourself, but you're doing stuff for your kids. Like I know we have different activities we do with our kids. Well, that's a lifestyle increase. It's not necessarily a lifestyle uh, like that I would have chosen if I didn't have kids necessarily but i know it makes a big deal to them i know it makes a big deal to my wife that we do these extracurricular things so these things just add up over time and that's that's kind of what happens is you just kind of gradually tack things on top it's kind of like a tetris board uh, building up and you're like oh it just keeps going up a lot of times and it's you it's hard to get those kind of lines perfectly across to, to erase things um I imagine that's kind of what it feels like when you pay off like a debt, like a student loan or a credit card, auto loan, those types of things. So like these things just kind of keep saying like, all right, well, I got more income now. I got a 3% raise. I got a 10% raise. I'm getting stock options. Uh, like these, these things make you feel like it's okay to kind of keep <laughs> building up that lifestyle. And um, yeah, like you might get a little bit better stuff out of it. I think my biggest lifestyle upgrade I did, which totally is like a frivolous thing, but like I had fun with it is the the hue lights back when they came out where you can kind of control the lights with yeah. your phone and set yeah. them like you can set up your camera and it'll sync with like video games or sync with the movie you're watching the colors and stuff and like that like it, it added enjoyment mm -hmm. to my life but like t I'm not I'm not better off emotionally or, or anything as a result this is like oh this is cool um so there's a lot of cool things that are not necessary and so um, it's fine if you can support that and your current goals and future goals and, and be super confident about stuff. But if you're not, then, then yeah, you just have to have that tough realizations. Is it a matter of, I can never have these things. Is it a matter of, I can't have these things yet or all at the same time. And so that kind of goes back to the very first question. Like how do, how do you navigate these things early on in your career is recognizing that you probably are going to be able to afford a lot more than you imagined. 
But that doesn't mean that you have to have them all today. You don't have to go to Disney World, Universal, travel the world all in the same year. Um, I know that's a little bit dramatic uh, example, but we a lot of times we do those things. We're like, oh, I make enough money. Why am I going to say no to myself? Or why am I going to say no to my spouse or girlfriend or whatever? And you just keep saying these things that like I'm making enough money. Why why am I going to say no? I, I earned it. I deserve it. But you just want to have it in in comparison and in relation to the other things that are important other than just being like, Oh, I'm not stressed out about it. So that's fine because yeah, these there's events that are sometimes out of our control like this. Yeah. hundred percent. Eddie, I cut you off before. Did you have something? Oh, I was <laughs> uh, just going back to like getting laid off and stuff like that. Uh, I was just going to ask if bankruptcy is ever a good idea. Yeah, so it's it's kind of like one of those break in case of emergencies, and um, obviously, like if you're you're in a school, you're not gonna pull pull the fire alarm for like a little piece of paper that's lit on fire. Um, but if the whole room is on fire and it's spreading really quickly, I'm like, well, I can try to put this out, but I have no idea what the heck's going on. Um, you can then you just kind of have to do what you need to do, and so. Uh, bankruptcy, I know quite a few people actually that can recover from a bankruptcy and do really well. I think what it comes down to is what's what's changed after the bankruptcy that is going to make sure you don't put yourself in the same situation. And so sometimes there are things that change, um, like maybe your income's better now because you went through a boot camp. And so like you're going to get the, the deck kind of reset and now you got this great opportunity and you're going to do things a, a better way. You have more ability to do it because of some of the things you've done. But um, sometimes it, it is a matter of just, hey, are you disciplined enough? Um, because I know people I know people that live really good and they save ridiculously off of like fifty or $60,000. Uh, they may not have the lifestyle of someone making $120,000 or $200,000. But I've seen those, those people outspending their earnings. And so... It's it all comes down to a matter of discipline and just kind of having a realistic understanding of what your income means, both short term and long term, and then making sure you're doing the things that are going to actually relieve your stress, give you financial confidence. Uh, I know you tried pitching the, the level up and I definitely I thought that was a good example you used, but <laughs> uh, I like to say like I help my clients take their financial confidence to the next level. And like it's all just a matter of just kind of improving and uh, gradually getting better over time. And yeah, no, no one's going to go from negative $30,000 net worth to million dollars net worth. It's, it's just impossible unless you win the lottery and that's not a high probability. So let's, let's focus on the things you can control. And I know your behavior is a little bit tricky, but you can make small, small changes over time and really build those things up and uh, compound those efforts. Awesome. Cool. So uh, that that's all I got for for questions on this one. Uh, Eddie, do you have anything else? No, that's it. <laughs> okay, cool. So uh, yeah, Lucas, we're gonna move into Nerd Minute, but before we do, um, tell us all about your business and you know, should we give you a call or an email or you got a website or tell yeah, us all about yeah. it. So I, I've been busy since I started my company. So love about financial planning, like that's my passion. Mm -hmm. That's what I started. That's why I quit my job and took this leap to help young tech professionals, mid career uh, professionals kind of get on track. And, and I even have older clients too that are about to retire and work for Apple and stuff like that. But uh, basically, I want to help people that are excited about getting organized and thinking about all the cool possibilities and opportunities that they have uh, with 
the the tech career that they have. And sometimes it's stock options, sometimes it's tax planning, sometimes it's planning for like a major event. So those are things that I'm excited of helping people with and getting organized and, and feeling confident about those things. You can find my website. It's levelupfinancialplanning.com. Uh, and I'll make sure these guys get the, the link so they can put it in the show notes. But uh, since then, I started a, a podcast, which um, no no income there, just for fun. It's called Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp. I, I interview uh different tech guests and then I kind of rotate in financial topics too and so yeah definitely give that a look and then this year a few months ago I started power up tax planning so it's kind of the supplement my financial planning clients but yeah I really enjoy tax planning there's a lot of things like the traditional or Roth and then that backdoor Roth strategy I mentioned earlier in the show so there's those are the things I'm doing but level up financial planning that's that's where my heart is for sure and um, yeah, reach out anytime. You can schedule right from my website. It interacts with Calendly and and you guys can jump on, get a free complimentary call to be like, hey, let me let me find out more. Let me see if we actually get along and and what whether or not this makes sense. And so um, as far as the financial thing, how, or I guess business model, I guess is really what makes my business a little bit different than the traditional financial advisor or financial planner down the road is, I don't have an investment minimum like I would have had if I was still working at my previous firm. So there's no 500,000, there's no 100,000, there's no $500, Lee, so you're good. Awesome. Uh, but, I'm in. <laughs> so the, the way I structure it is it's more of a hybrid where if you have investments, I can definitely help with that. But really for the people that don't have investments, I have a monthly kind of subscription-based model. And that way it makes it accessible and affordable to anyone that's excited about kind of getting organized and, and having a plan so that they can uh, feel good about the future and, and kind of live your best life today. I have a couple uh, boot camp students uh, or grads that became clients and they were used to living off their old thing and they started working with me right away. And then, like, because they were used to their old income and not their new income, we're like, all right, just so you know, you have permission to spend a little bit more and you're still going to be able to retire early. And so like I it's it's fun having those conversations so it's better sometimes to start out earlier than normal um and so i enjoy kind of helping people across the gamut there but uh it's i'm not going to tell you that you can't spend money and i'm not gonna um be afraid to tell you like oh you can actually spend more money because you're you're doing so good with all these other things and maybe we started early enough to to be able to get on the right path so uh, the last thing i'll say about that is because i've worked with uh, quite a few boot camp students now and i really like i'm inspired by like a lot of what you guys do i know it's not totally related but i kind of like oh it's kind of like taking a leap of how i started my company um like not knowing like how to run a company or anything like that so uh, to help new boot camp grads i offer a 20 percent discount too so anyone that's going to work with me um i don't promote it on my site but i do have a calculator on my site where you can kind of run the numbers and then just you have to adjust it yourself for uh, that 20%. So hopefully that increases the window of opportunity for me being able to help anyone that really wants to get started and, and get organized. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. yeah we will, really uh, we'll add the podcast, the website. Um, I think there was a YouTube channel on there also. So we'll, we'll throw oh, all yeah. that stuff yeah. in the show notes. Yeah, on the website. I write strategy guides. Um, I, I make cheat sheets uh, with Canva and uh, get nerdy with that stuff. So fantastic. Yeah. So if you're, if that sounds good to you, you're interested in that, maybe you just got your first tech job and you're like, man, what do I do with this money? How do I get right financially? Uh, give Lucas a call. He, uh, he sounds like he's affordable 
and he can get you on the, the right path. So now that we've talked about that, let's talk about Nerd Minute. So at the end of uh, every show, we have this little segment where we talk about books or video games or movies or whatever. So yep. uh, Lucas, you're the guest. Do you have anything? Yeah, so uh, what do you guys know about the old classic X-Men cartoons, Saturday morning cartoons? Uh, I love that I cartoon. watched it all the time. Yeah, so... <laughs> Yeah, my my son, he's only about to be three right now, but we got Disney Plus, and now that Disney owns Marvel, they have, like, all of that on there, so I've been excited. Uh, I'm only able to half-watch them while they're on, but, yeah, it's it's something that brings me back <laughs> to, to my childhood, for sure. Does it hold up? That's cool. Like, now that you're older, is it still awesome? Because as a kid, that show rocked, so. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's amazing, man. I'm like, dude, I was so sad, actually. So the, the first <laughs> couple times I put it on, he's like, Mickey Mouse. I was like, come on, man. It's like X-Men. It's like Wolverine. He's <laughs> like, oh. And um, so, yeah, I was super sad. I think I've been, like, it was, like, one of my first, like, personal tweets on Twitter because, like, I've, I've never used to use it. And I started using it, and I'm used to using everything like all button up professional, but I'm like, oh, I'm going to relax a little bit. Like I got enough clients. I'm not going to go out of business. So like I can be a little bit more myself, a little bit more laid back. And Twitter seems like a good kind of medium to do that on. And I'm like, dude, I was super bummed that my son like doesn't want to watch X-Men. And I was like, I'm hoping that once he gets older, he'll want to. <laughs> Every now and then he's like, put on X-Men. And like, um, and I can kind of like hum like the, the theme music now. He's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm getting them there um so but dude if you guys should definitely check that out i know uh i think disney has like a seven day free <laughs> seven day free trial uh you guys might be able to knock out all that in seven days especially being quarantined <laughs> probably yeah put it on if you're working from home and yeah. uh, let it play in the background or something it, it's amazing just just the sound uh the intro music like geez phenomenal intro uh theme song if you've ever seen the show, it's playing in your mind right now as you're listening yeah. to Lucas talk yeah, about it. Yep, they're running at each other, the, the good and bad guys. Yeah, yeah. The uh the bell sounding. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, I remember uh, watching that uh Saturday mornings and like seeing the for some reason I remember the crazier arcs where they were doing like the Shatari space saga yep. thing. Yep, yep. Um one thing about the the seasons on Disney I think they play them out of order, so I don't know if this actually happened, but the, yeah, there's like Apocalypse sprinkled in there in like some of the early seasons and yes, like I remember that, Cable yeah. and Bishop. Um, put it and um, I forget what the island was, but yeah, where they all the go. Genosha. Genosha, yeah, yeah. Sorry. So yeah. like every now and then, like even though it's playing through, it'll play like a random episode and sometimes it'll play a couple back to back. But then, yeah, it's that it's kind of trippy from that aspect i was like maybe this is how it was when i was a kid but (laughs) it's been on there for a few months and it's still kind of out of order so i i don't know (laughs) i think um maybe that's just uh the times nowadays like it used to be tv shows it was the odd episodes where two or three of them would chain together with the same storyline but for Mm -hmm. the most part it was like everything was a one-off episode like you watch anything out of the season and that's its own self-contained story but nowadays we're used to Netflix where you binge watch the entire 13 hours all at once. And yeah. it's one continuous storyline all the way through. But it didn't used to be like that. Yeah, well, a lot of them play through. So, yeah, maybe maybe they did sprinkle them in. It was kind of like um, like a hologram card or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But I do <laughs> remember all, uh, all the hologram cards could connect and, and stuff. 
yeah. I remember the um the voice actor for Apocalypse from the the X Men show was like pretty compelling at, at least as a a ten year old kid. <laughs> you know, maybe it, maybe it's corny now. I'll have to dude, listen to dude, it. All, all of them, every every character, ju- even Jubilation Lee. <laughs> yes, yeah. I remember the uh, Cable and Bishop episode yeah. where um in the future they had like Wolverine skeleton floating in a jar. Yep. And uh, cause like he had died from the virus or whatever. And like Bishop had okay. come back to the, the past or to the present or whatever. Um, that was, that was kind of stuck out in my mind as a little kid, like, Oh my God, Wolverine's dead. He's immortal. What the hell? So yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Once. Yeah. They, they do a couple of them with Bishop and stuff. And so, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Cause I was like, dang, I used to watch like crazy time travel stuff when I was a little kid. Like I didn't really, like, I didn't remember that until, like, all of a sudden everything flashed back as the episode was starting. And, you, yeah, it's it's pretty cool, man. I definitely recommend you guys both get back and just kind of relive that a little bit. <laughs> awesome. Eddie, what do you got for Nerd Minute? Oh, I was just going to add, they also have the uh, Spider-Man cartoon. I've seen some of that on there. Yeah, they got a that lot of really good Spider-Man too. ones on there. Um, I really don't like some of the UI on, in that app because it doesn't let you know like what you've watched when you look at all of the uh, episodes. The way yeah. Netflix does, you get that little red bar that says like you've watched this much of the episode. So, because I've been watching um, Clone Wars and oh, cool. yep. I've been going back and forth and like skipping episodes that are like all political. So, because I don't <laughs> want to see that crap, I just wanted to watch Jedi's fight. Um, so. I skip some of that, and then when I go back later, I, it's kind of hard to tell what episodes I've seen already and whatnot. Anyway, yeah, you definitely have a lot of uh, wrinkles that work out there. Um, as far as that yeah. goes, I, I definitely noticed that too. Yeah, it's been a pain in the butt. But I've been watching Hunters on Amazon. Yeah, on Amazon. Uh, Al Pacino and other people <laughs> that I don't know the names of. Uh, it's a good show, though you don't know what it is, it's basically people hunting Nazis in the U.S. in, like, 1977. What? That sounds yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah, so they're... Um, Nazis have, like, infiltrated the U.S. in different parts of the country. Um, there's, like, a... They're, like, a secret society, basically, and they're... Um, they're, they're plotting something um, to kill a lot of people. And then there's this group of people led by Al Pacino. He's kind of like their Xavier. There's a lot of references to comic books in this because they call him but the the kid they end up recruiting because his grandmother dies. is all in the first episode. His grandmother dies, and then he he meets Al Pacino, and then they he um, wants to get revenge because he was her his grandmother was murdered. Um, Anyway, he ends up calling him Al Pacino. His friends like say he's Batman, and you know he thinks he's Robin, and like there's a whole bunch of like comic book references. He works in a comic book store. Um, it's it's really good. I'm almost on the last episode. Uh, <laughs> it came out like Friday, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Hashtag quarantined, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, working but yeah, it, it's it's really good. Yeah, working from home too. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I highly recommend it. It's really sweet. Good. Yeah, pretty I'm violent. Once I get back on the Amazon Prime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, the only thing I've got is I finally saw uh, Rise of Skywalker. Um, uh, okay. Saw it at home. Uh, I liked it. I, I don't want to get in like this huge debate over it. 
because uh, we're already kind of running long. But I'll just uh, throw out that I like it, but it was really fast. <laughs> it was like yeah. so much in your face, like pew, 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 awesome explosion, zoom, zoom. Hey, plot point. There it goes. Kind of pace to the movie that it was. Uh, there were obviously flaws in it, but you didn't have time to pay attention to them anyway. So <laughs> yeah. it was like, well, the spectacle is amazing. So. Uh, I don't know. In the end, I, I think overall, like, first of all, Adam Driver tied it all together. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he was amazing as an actor. Uh, Daisy Ridley did a good job um, with Ray. Uh, she was not as all powerful in this one. So that was cool to see. Um, they kind of like went through the checklist of things that they were like fan issues they were addressing, I think, um, and kind of knocked them out one by one. But um, overall, I enjoyed it. Uh, if you've held off or you watch too much YouTube, and you're tired of people with neck beards screaming at you about how awful Disney is. Maybe give it a chance. Uh, it's not that bad. Uh, in, in fact, you may enjoy it. So, um, yeah, that, that's where I'm at with it. <laughs> awesome. it yeah. Fun. Yeah. I saw it when it came out. I'm I'm not usually a snob with anything. I'm like, eh, if it entertain me, it's, it's good. I'm not going to try to bring anyone down or, or whatever. So, yeah, I, there's only been like one movie that I can remember off the top of my head. It was called The Darkness. That I was like, dude, that movie was horrible. But like every other one, I was like, ah, yeah. Uh, like every other thing I've ever watched, as long as it entertains me, I'm happy. <laughs> Is that the darkness? darkness? Like not the, the comic, comic book? book no, no, no. It was like okay. it was like some some scary type movie where like something comes in the night. I don't know if there's like clouds or something. I don't know. It was it was horrible. Um, okay. For some reason, like my dad bought it. And I was like, I would never spend money on that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're not going to go watch. We might watch it, to be honest, now that you've said it. No, yeah, I'd love to hear someone say anything different. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, it must have been a really bad movie if if other people like it. Because, yeah, like I said, I like everything. Um, and that's like the only thing I've ever is like, oh, my God, what garbage. <laughs> no offense to anyone who made the movie or spent time on it but... they're probably not listening to us anyway but yeah yeah <laughs> cool so uh i think we can wrap it up there we're, we're kind of running long anyway but yep. uh lucas yeah. thank you so much for joining us uh on the yeah, show and answering all of our crazy silly financial questions cool guys yep it was awesome having me on i appreciate it thanks for listening to tech junior Head on over to our site at techjr.dev or techjr.dev for show notes and past episodes. While you're there, sign up for the newsletter to get an email from us once a week with our latest episode and some other stuff. Uh, if you'd like to support us, you can do so by becoming a Patreon member. Uh, special thanks to all of our current patrons. You guys rock. And we also have a Teespring store, so if you want to get like a Tech Junior t-shirt or a sticker or something, please check that out, and all links to that are on our website. You can also follow us on Twitter at TechJR Podcast. You can follow me at LeeWork Jr. and Eddie at ED0TER0. Uh, I know he posted a pretty slick drawing. He's working on his uh, portfolio currently, uh, portfolio website. So definitely check him out on Twitter if you haven't already. And check out that, that drawing. It's pretty sweet. Did not know Eddie could draw that well. Uh, join us next week. We're going to be talking to Jason Phillips. Uh, so Jason is a uh, boot camp teacher. He works for um, a pretty big boot camp out there, uh, working with Trilogy and Two You. So um, we talked to him about his path into technology, how he um, kind of built his career up, and how he keeps up to date um, with everything 
uh, going on and, and how he keeps up to date being a instructor and not kind of in tech at the same time. So it's a pretty awesome episode and Jason's an awesome guy. So we think you're going to love that one. All right. That's all I got for this week. Uh, join us next Wednesday and yeah, hope to see you soon. Bye.